So, so Popey, you, you made a post about 11 gig. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, 24. <laughs> oh, you left yours running as well, did you? <laughs> the <laughs> no recorder? Idea. You left, what, the recorder running or something, or what? Yeah, yeah it's on a timer. We, we, so we, we all use um, NTP to make sure we're all in sync, so we don't have to clap or click or anything oh, to get so all Oh, so you're all using your sync. own custom NTP server? Is that what you're doing? Like, yeah. No, well, no, we just all point at the same one. Oh, that we works. Point yeah. At the same sure, one. sure. All, so yeah. we're only ever like 0.02 yeah. out. Right. It's not or something like out. that. So they, all the audio recorders start at the same time. Very smart. So they're re- very easy to line up. But the problem is because we've set it to like start recording at nine o'clock. Um, and audio recorder by default will auto spawn when you log in. So the next Turn day, off now. I, 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 yeah, me too. I, I reboot and audio recorder sat there in the background. And I didn't even know. And at nine yeah, o'clock in the yeah. evening, started recording. <laughs> Four days later, and I'm shutting down my PC for like a kernel update or something. And the very last thing to shut down, I look and see, hang on a minute, that thing's been recording for four days, and there's an 11 gig file Nothing on this. Nothing but silence, I sat and pretty listened much. To no, no, no. Was, it, there was there was me babbling away in a conversation with my wife about birthday presents and wish lists. And oh. I was like, no, 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 I need to delete this. There is going to be something incriminating. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get rid of it now. Oh, my gosh. I was, I, what drew my attention to it was I suddenly thought, why is the system monitor showing that it's always CPU activity? What the <laughs> heck's going on? And then I ran HTOP and I was like, what's audio recorder doing running now? <laughs> Went are... and looked, I'm like, oh, I've been recording audio for four and a half days. This is a legitimate reason why I have, uh, I try to always have an extension that puts my CPU usage up somewhere on my screen because that's often how I'll catch stuff. Is I'll just glance yeah. up and notice, wait a minute, that CPU usage looks a lot higher for than what I'm doing right now on the computer. And I don't, I normally don't check it and sometimes I wouldn't even notice unless I had a little system monitor applet that told me. So have you seen um, uh, there's a new Chrome bit? So now we've got mm. Chromebooks, Chromeboxes, and now the thing that's almost of a Chromecast that is effectively Chrome in a in a in a HDMI stick, and you plug in the power and you plug in a keyboard and there's your computer. I was just looking at this uh, actually. It's funny yeah, you say that. It's a bit longer. Google, Google are completely eating our lunch with these m- machines. Are they? You totally. think? You think they're totally like taking a Linux yeah. desktops market? Well, they're number. Yeah, totally. They're the number one uh, laptops on Amazon. If you go to if you go to Amazon and look at laptops, the number one seller yeah. is a Chromebook. Yeah, not a, not a Windows laptop, right? Or a MacBook. We should be there. Well, I agree, and we are in a way. But the thing is, is uh, Google's got brand. They got OEMs working with them, and it's a simplified package. It's it's sort of it's capitalizing in a way, yeah. isn't it? Almost in a way, capitalizing on the failed promise of tablets. You know, the tablet didn't do it. You ended up needing a keyboard, but you still need something kind of simple like a tablet and something cheap. And I don't know, maybe this is maybe this is maybe this is the right pro- product for the right time. Doesn't necessarily Now, I wonder, I don't know about these USB sticks, but a Chromebook doesn't necessarily mean it's a loss for a Linux installation. People might get bored with the very basic nature of Chromebook and want to look elsewhere. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll eventually make more Linux switchers. I mean, like I look at those uh, those stream PCs, those really cheap HP PCs that come with Windows 8.1 pre-installed with Bing. And uh, you know what? I just look at those as future Linux boxes as well. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I, I wish um, I wish Google would have just – wouldn't it have been crazy in a, in a crazy universe if Google just would have done like Ubuntu? That would have been nice. It huh? wouldn't have been that crazy – Considering that they have their own in-house I know, Ubuntu exactly, spin. exactly. It would have been so cool if they just would have done that. Well, been originally a- it was. Chrome, Chrome OS originally was based on Ubuntu, and then they switched to uh, building their own packages using Gentoo Portage. Right. I mean, that would have been a that would have that would have changed everything. 
And it used to use Firefox. Oh, right. Right. It did, didn't it? It did. The the very first Chrome OS was before the Chrome browser, right? And it was Firefox-based, wasn't it? Yep. What? Yes, that's this is. No, a thing. I don't remember this. Yes, the original a, concept yeah. was Firefox and a really, really thin Ubuntu-ish thing. Yeah, and it wasn't like Chrome OS so much as it was a distro, really. I'm going to go look for it. Early Chrome OS. Yeah, because I don't remember that. Yeah, I wasn't Not uh, from Google. Yeah, it was neither nice do I. And I was using it from like, oh my. Hmm. Go find well, this. not when it was a Chrome OS release right, right, as right. a product. When they were coming up with the concept for it, it was Firefox-based. Yeah, and I think... Did you read this in a book? Is that where you, you and I both saw this in uh, in the in entering the Plex? Is that where you got this? It right? wasn't a book. It, I can't remember where I remember this from, but I just know it's somewhere on the history of Chrome OS. Yeah. yeah do you when Chrome OS was based on Firefox and rejected by Google... My goodness, you're right. I had no idea. Where did idea. you find it? Where did you find it? Yeah, I'm looking for this. Uh, the Verge. Ah, oh, there you go. Chrome OS was originally based on a different browser, Firefox. Yeah. It wouldn't they, could you imagine if they would have gone with Firefox and Ubuntu, how different the world would be after at this point? I wonder if it would be as successful. Hmm. See, people still refer to Google having their own in-house Ubuntu, but I think we're, you know... Looking back quite a long time, Popey, I mean, do you know anything about that? Or is it yeah. purely an internal Yeah, they thing? still use it internally. Yeah, they do. Is, and is it Ubuntu, or is it their their own, you know, spin of Ubuntu? It's it's Ubuntu, it's called Gubuntu, and it's it's Ubuntu with some stuff ripped out and some other stuff added, like any corporate desktop is Windows yeah. with stuff ripped out and stuff added, so it's no different than that. Um, and... The last time we interviewed, uh, you know, if you listen to the show, you would have known. We interviewed the guy who's responsible for this at Google, and um, it's uh, it was um, basically as a, as a new starter at Google, you you would have three choices. Uh, sorry, two choices. You'd either have a PC or a Mac, mm-hmm. and if you got a Mac, you'd get OS ten. If you chose PC, you'd either get Windows or Ubuntu. You could install something else if you want to, but that's what you would get. Um, and yeah, Ubuntu is basically Ubuntu. I mean, we have bugs in our bug tracker from, you know, the Google IT people who are, you know, um, working on problems, delivering it to, to their, mm-hmm. to their users. But I haven't, I haven't heard much about it for the last like year or so. I don't know. Yeah, where it is, or whether they all use Chrome OS. You know, is Chrome OS their new internal desktop operating system? So, and this is what I was told from somebody who got hired recently. And so, Poppy, I wonder if this lines up with what you heard is you get like three choices when you get hired at Google right now. You get a Gubuntu, which is based on 1404, and and, uh, and they they rev a, a new one every new LTS, and that's what they've been doing for a long time now, is the official Gubuntu is based on the latest LTS. And then, so that's your first option. Your second option is a Chromebook, and your third option is a MacBook. And I guess, like, if you want to buy a Windows machine, like, you have to get approval. And, like, I, I think there's, like, a whole different, like, path you have to go through to even get a Windows box at all. So that, nice. I don't know, if, Pope, if that lines up with what you've heard at all. Yeah, it may well be their policies changed over time, but as I understand it, Ubuntu still exists. That's, that's, all, that's all I know. I heard it was the first choice. I heard Ubuntu is the top choice, Chromebook second choice, or, or MacBooks are second choice, and, Chrome, and Chromebooks are third choice, or something like that on, on average. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that is bracing for the fools of April. My name is Chris. And my name is Matt. Hey, Matt! Episode eighty-six, buddy. That's not that's not too bad. 
86 already. Wow. I know. It means we're getting, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the way this works, but I think that means we're nearing episode 90. I, I believe so. I'm, I'm, you know, mathematically challenged, yeah, but I, I do I'm, believe we got 87 and I'm, then a few others. I'm new, and then 90. so I'm not sure. Hey, yeah. so, uh, but don't worry. Uh, we're not even, we're not even looking, fa- we're not looking ahead. We haven't lost track. We're, we're focused. We're hunkered in. We're in the trenches of episode 86 this week. Uh, we got a lot to cover. First up, uh, there is a horrible rumor, horrible rumor spreading around the internet right now. Uh-oh. And that is that the Linux kernel is being forked by a very ambitious team. Uh, we'll tell you more about that in just a little bit as the show goes on. Uh, and if it's true or not, uh, and you uh, uh, you probably have heard this rumor, it's, it's spreading like crazy right now. Also, some new improvements coming to the Cinnamon desktop. We're going to talk about that. Uh, official Linux Fest Northwest planning coverage begins. And also, we're going to hopefully get to it this week. Uh, have we been... Um, have we been negligent in our coverage, Matt? Have we been negligent in covering some of the other distributions that we all know and love out there? So, Matt, today we will so. we will find out. We'll take it okay. to the audience. We will take there the test. Matt, I will challenge that assumption of yours. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll right. see. I just I, I just kid. And then last uh, and then last but not least, uh, there's a really cool device that runs Linux uh, that is just one of those things that reminds you it's really 2015 and it's pretty exciting. And uh, we'll talk about that coming up a little bit in the show. But Matt. Before we go too far, uh, we do have uh, – now, you won't be able to hear it, but uh, the over far in the distance, Matt, if just over the horizon, uh, Wolf Blitzer's over there with a little uh, – with a little breaking news. breaking news. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we have a little breaking news right now. Uh, you might have heard it, uh, but apparently the Systemd team is planning to fork the Linux kernel. Everybody, get your pitchforks. It's time to fight. We are going all in. No, not really. They are not forking the Linux kernel, but uh, various places on the internet. It even made it to Hacker News, uh, the Pharonics forums, Reddit, uh, and apparently a, a, a GitHub account was even created with the uh, name System Daemon uh, and, reg- and registered to somebody. And the whole rumor was is that the System D folks were going to fork the Linux kernel in order to uh, make things just work a little better, streamline areas, and have full control over the entire stack. Turns out it was totally an April Fool's joke. <laughs> Totally, totally. Uh, Mumble room. Did you guys? Did you guys catch uh, this? Uh, this system D is forking uh, kernel. The kernel uh, uh, story this weekend. I saw something saying that it wasn't true on Reddit, but yeah. that was mainly it. I saw the chat room talking about it all morning. It was in Distrust was... Weekly, and it um, got linked to an actual GitHub repo, and the name of the GitHub repository's name, or at least the system daemon's name, is Ivan Gotchovich. Gotcha. gotcha. Ivan gotcha. Yeah. So in other words, in other words, April Fools. April Fools, right? This isn't really April Fools. It makes a nice change from people saying the next thing canonical will fork is the Linux kernel. <laughs> so that made me happy. <laughs> oh, they have it. Totally oh. Got me. oh. Yeah, I thought they had well, I gotta pull that post down then. Hang on just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, so I, let's, uh, people are like, are you going to talk about this, Chris? Are you going to talk about this? Like, yeah, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going yeah. to talk about this. We, for somehow, somehow it missed uh, the Linux Action Show this weekend. I don't, uh, I don't quite know how that happened. Uh, also, uh, I also wanted to give a shout-out to the uh, Digi... Oh, hi there. I wanted to give a shout-out to the Digicam Project. Uh, they were at CBIT 2015. And uh, Digi, uh, Digicam got uh, an award. It's really cool. They actually got the uh, Best Open Source Photo Management Application and uh, Digicam is often compared to Adobe Lightroom, which the project considers to be pretty much an, an accomplishment. Uh, it's an applica- uh, Lightroom is an application popular among enthusiasts and professional photo- uh, photographers on Windows and Mac OS. So they consider that to be an achievement. And congrats to Digicam. I've been specifically looking at Digicam uh, perhaps for a close family member's 
uh, photo workflow in the near future. As ah. uh, as the fruit company who also makes hardware is d- sunlighting their long-term iPhoto photo management program, now seems like the perfect opportunity for those of us who are open source enthusiasts to recommend a really solid open source alternative to iPhoto. Uh, I don't think Photos is it. I don't think Apple's replacement's it. I'm not a big fan of the Nearline system. I don't totally, totally trust iCloud for the things that I consider to be the most precious digital asset that I own, the photos of my children. So for me, uh, perhaps that's a great opportunity to recommend the transition to an open source photo management program. So I'll be doing that for a few people in my life. And I think Digicam's probably the one I'm going to pick because the timing is now. It makes sense. I mean, because I'm actually in a similar situation uh, with my wife, who is not real pleased with that news either. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that might actually be a solution. I could actually – she's perfectly comfortable with Linux. So, I mean, it's certainly plausible. And so. what do we always say? If you give people tools that are available on Linux and available that you can first set them up on their existing platform, when they make that transition to Linux, it's even easier because all the applications are the same that they love. Exactly. Congrats to Digicam. I just want to give them Woo-hoo. a little shout-out at the top of the Linux Unplugged show, episode 86. See, it's good luck. It's good luck. And then last but not least, get ready to run that GNOME application everywhere you want, anywhere, everywhere, across any distribution. Could it be true? Can it be real? The GNOME project thinks so. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit before, but the official first GNOME SDK runtime builds are out. Yeah, this is a GNOME runtime. So you can build your GNOME application against this runtime, and then this runtime gets distributed to any distribution, and as long as you have that runtime, the app runs. doesn't matter what distro it is. It's based on GNOME 3.16's run libraries, and uh, there's, uh, this is definitely just a developer preview, so they're considered to be weakly supported. Uh, the developer will try to keep them somewhat updated as major issues and APIs come up, but right now it's a work in progress. Uh, and I think it's kind of neat. I don't know if uh, anybody in the mumble room has any thoughts on this, uh, uh, but I thought this was a neat way... Uh, this is this is kind of clunky. I'll totally admit that. It's a little low-tech. You're bundling up a whole bunch of libraries and stuff and sticking them in some directory somewhere and then telling developers to write to that. That's what Steam does today. But it works. And Steam's selling $60 games doing this. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I'd like to pick I, Wimpy's you know, brain. What do you think, Wimpy? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a departure from the traditional way of doing things on Linux, but I think systems like this... Um, a way that you can bundle uh, either a runtime or an overlay to give developers a predictable development target is the way that Linux is going to have to go if we're going to continue to want to drive adoption, particularly for application developers. Could you see a, a distribution like Ubuntu Mate uh, shipping this runtime run out of the box and maybe even um, having a package in the repository that gets updated or Ubuntu Mate or somebody? Could you see a world like yeah, that? Yeah, I, I can. I can see Ubuntu doing it. I can see OpenSUSE doing it. I can see Fedora doing it. And as soon as you get the big players doing it, then everyone's got it, and then you've you've, you've cracked it, haven't you? Yeah, because you've essentially you create an ABI, there a stable API that people can write to. Uh, you've created a, a a certain set of expectations that you can write to, um, and that a certain and GNOME three point sixteen is no slouch. That's the that's the latest and freshest GNOME, so it's not going to be that far behind. Even after a few releases. So having 3.16 as the base is actually going to be pretty good. I, I, I mean, I, Steam seems to be successfully doing it. So maybe others can successfully do it. And uh, we have the hard drive space to have a few extra libraries. And if as long as they keep updated for security fixes, which is always the trick with this kind of stuff. But that's not a challenge we're incapable of solving. We have package managers everywhere. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's kind of interesting. We'll see. This could be a great way to get. Uh, it, it would be it would be funny if like uh, Qt has like or Qt 
has like all the real nice technical advantages and market share advantages. But GTK, but GTK comes along and says, well, but we've got Builder, we've got this runtime, and we've got a pretty good looking desktop. So here's all the things you just here's your here's your complete solution to delivering it on across all distributions. Um, and you don't even have to have like file system overlays and and and, and containers. And I think it's not a bad solution. We'll see if anybody really uses it. Uh, that we'll see. It's going to take somebody to actually package up their application with it. See if it has someone's bound to do it, and it's. Has anybody tried it? I mean, how how difficult is it? Does super it, new, super super new. Like uh, in like yesterday, new. Uh, yeah, it was cre- It was just posted online yesterday, so it's. <clears throat> I don't think there's much of anybody using it, but I've just been following it closely on the show because what what I'm really the nut I'm really trying to crack, and maybe I should make this more obvious, right? Is universal application distributions across all distributions? Because on Coda Radio, the email we get in all the time, and when we started Coda Radio, the email we get is, "Hey, so I'm an iOS developer, and uh, I just got myself a uh, little Linux machine for the first time. It's really cute and quaint, and I want to write an adorable little app for that Linux desktop." Um, can you point me in the direction of uh, the SDK? Um, can you point me how I'm supposed to get started, what I'm supposed to do? And every time we just have a different answer, depending on the trend. You know, it's, uh, and and this, is a, this is a full-fledged answer, which I think is kind of exciting. I think it'll be interesting to see where it all ends up in the long run. I agree, sure. Matt. I agree. All I right. agree. So uh, you can find out more information in the show notes or check blogs.gnome.org, and maybe it goes nowhere. This is all part of their work on sandboxed applications, too. So I imagine if you're going to be sandboxing apps, this will become more important as well. So it all, all fits in with application distribution, sandboxing, uh, the future of uh, the different desktops. It's, it's a big picture that we're watching come slowly together in front of our eyes. Speaking of bringing things together in front of your eyes, how about your education over at Linux Academy? I mean it. Go over to Linux Academy right now and check them out. They freaking rock. Linux Academy is our sponsor right here on the Unplugged program, and they, I think, are, I think, one of the best sponsors uh, for Linux Unplugged because they're such a great fit for you guys. It really is the matchup of uh, open-source enthusiasts, Linux administrators, and educators coming together to build something special. And you can take advantage of it by going to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Head over there right now, check them out, and get our special discount at linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Step-by-step video courses for everything they cover, and the content is always expanding. So that's very nice. And they have downloadable comprehensive study guides you can bring with you on the go. Ah, maybe you're in the shower. Maybe you're traveling. No judgy. I'm not going to judge. Uh, and they're always, they're always like the best, the best, because these people really truly get the content and what your goals are because they've, they've been in your shoes. They've been in your position. And so when they, when they see things that come up like Docker, and things like Vagrant and Amazon Web Services. They really can wrap their brains around how to make scenario-based labs so that way you can go in and really get your hands on with that technology. And they have self-paced courses where you can set your own limits. You get your percentages when you log in to see exactly where you're going to have to take out, where you're going to leave off, exactly how long it's going to take you to get through that course. And I like that. I guess I'm a bit of a data head. I like to be able to break it all down and see how long something's going to take me. To me, the idea that I could, I could see... The goal of learning Python will take six hours, or I think it's like five and a half hours on uh, Linux Academy. That is such a that that is a quantifiable thing that I can I can put that on my head and go I can I can learn the basics of Python in five and a half hours. That go that is a huge huge pivot from like I have to learn this nebulous thing called Python and it's this programming language that's going to be very complicated. It, you know, it, 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 it just cuts through all of that. Plus, you've got instructor help. You've got live streaming, a fantastic community. 
And they're going to do some big content updates. Uh, April 16th, they're going to do a live stream. New content coming to Linux Academy. Uh, I've also gotten notes about folks that pass their certifications after training at Linux Academy, and it happens more and more all the time. It is a really, really great setup. And uh, I think one of the things that I've found is when we'll follow things in the news, I'll be like, this is obviously going to be a big deal. And I, you know, I end up talking to the folks who uh, run Linux Academy, and they're already working on courseware for it. They have a really cool lab setup. Uh, when we first brought them on as a sponsor, uh, I got sort of geeky with the back-end technology and, and really sort of was like, wow, man. If, if, if I was talking to Anthony, who runs Linux Academy. If, if I was going to do this today, like if I was going to launch Jupiter Broadcasting Day, I might seriously do something like this because it's so genius. Uh, and they've got everything. Red, Red Hat training, uh, Python, OpenStack, DevOps, Android, PHP, Ruby. Uh, the Amazon Web Services stuff is particularly great because, uh, you know, I, I, I find that to be an expensive thing to learn. And the fact that the, all of the Amazon Web Services are just included with your Linux Academy subscription makes that really stress-free. It makes that you don't even have to worry about getting that accidental charge from Amazon, um, which I have done. And it is not cheap. I accidentally one time got charged $200 because I left an Amazon Web, uh, an, a- an AWS Ooh. Services server running for 30 days by mistake, not doing a single thing. But it was like $280 just running because I was just trying to learn Amazon Web Services. Uh, I don't have to worry about that with Linux Academy. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplug. Get our special Linux Unplugged discount. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program. You guys are powerful. All right, so we got some feedback into the show. Tell, tell me that I'm a dummy. Uh, he says, uh, <laughs> Ubuntu Touch apps and other distributions are how Chris is wrong. Uh, right. Okay, so this has been stopping me from sleeping for a while because, uh, well, it wound me up. On a certain episode of Linux Unplugged, Chris questioned how Ubuntu applications made with the Ubuntu SDK would look on non-Ubuntu desktop environments and quite rightly came to the conclusion, well, they would probably look out of place. Fine. Let's stop right now and talk about something else. No maps. No maps are effing S. Under anything that isn't GNOME, however, nobody is giving GNOME a hard time over this. GNOME is essing all over everyone else in their poorly designed applications, and the Ubuntu desktop and other desktops are suffering because of it. And he includes some examples. Here is a GNOME app under Unity that looks horrible with the client-side decoration. Uh, here's one that also looks quite horrible because it doesn't have the right decorations. He says, this is just totally effed. Uh, this is Canonical's responsibility for patching no maps to make them look right under Ubuntu. You could make that argument, but he disagrees. If that's the case, Canonical should be allowed to do whatever they want, and everybody else just patch that as well. It goes both ways. So if Canonical can make their own applications uh, look or don't look remotely under work look under look remotely okay under any other desktop, uh, then that's just fine because Gnome's getting away with it as well. Canonical shouldn't have should the TLDR is Canonical shouldn't be given a hard time for making their applications. Uh, and if they don't work on anything else, that's nothing different than GNOME and the GNOME apps right now. Or you could say maybe the elementary apps and things like that. What do you think of this argument, Matt, that's like, hey, if they want to reinvent the wheel and make them only, look, only work okay on uh, the Ubuntu desktop and not look okay on, say, Fedora with GNOME, that's totally fine. And this is just my opinion. The whole, the whole thing, in my opinion, is just completely ridiculous. It's like, okay, look – as long as they're you know, willing to make their efforts public and the code available and all that sort of stuff, I don't care what they theme it with. Um, you know, as long as that, because that's really where the responsibility, ethical responsibility ends, is that, hey, we did something cool, here's the code for it. You want to pretty it up, go ahead. But it's not their responsibility. They are, in fact, looking out for their des- desktop environment and what they're doing. And if that doesn't you know, play well with other things, well, you know, whether it be GNOME, Unity, doesn't matter. Same thing applies. Um, it just feels like a real straw man kind of argument. I, I have a hard time getting behind it. 
Hmm. Okay. All right. I can see. Yes, I can see that point. Uh, anybody in the mumble room want to jump in before I share my thoughts? If, mm. if I'm an individual, you know, working on an application, I, I wrote uh, an application called Journal for the GNOME desktop. And, uh, you know, that's it's because that's what I use. If I was going to port that over to uh, Ubuntu Touch, I, that would be fine. But, you know, I would want some assistance from some actual Ubuntu Touch developers to do that. So here's my you question. You know, because... So uh, uh, I think there's a pretty big difference between um, a desktop environment implementing something like a client-side decoration and the world's most popular Linux dis- distribution coming up with a new way for applications to look. Because, and the reason why there's a difference is because one is a desktop environment and one is the most important Linux distribution in the world for desktops. Okay, you see the difference there? So if you want to write applications for Ubuntu... They are going to look different, and there's more people that probably want to write applications for Ubuntu than they do for the general Linux desktop. So now do you see the difference there? More people want to write applications for the Ubuntu desktop than they want to write for the Linux desktop. So that means more applications will be looking like they're designed for Ubuntu, regardless of the distribution you're using. Do you see a problem with that, anybody? It's No. I, I, all the way through this, I've just been thinking, it's kind of like Q, Qt and GTK. If you run a GTK application yeah. on a... QT desktop, it looks absolutely horrible. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, I, I just, I, I actually don't know if it's going to be a bad thing or not. I, I think maybe I was getting a little more hate for it. I just, I'm pointing out it's going to be a thing. Doesn't mean it's going to be a bad thing. Maybe it'll be fine. In fact, maybe <clears throat> because there's going to be like a standard design language, maybe they'll be the best looking apps on the Linux desktop. Maybe. Could be. Could be. Maybe it'll just take off uh, because it looks good. We'll wait and see. I doubt it. <laughs> uh, one more uh, little update uh, before we get into Linux Fast Northwest stuff. Uh, uh, I thought uh, we'd talk a little bit about uh, Cinnamon just super quick because um, yesterday Clem did a blog post, uh, an update for Mint, and he said a huge amount of work has gone into making Cinnamon load faster. And I just got an email into the show the other day. It said, how come you guys never talk about Cinnamon? Uh, so he says, we're only halfway there. The results aren't conclusive yet. One of our test machines on there, Cinnamon was able to load in less than a second in normal conditions, uh, but can take up to 12 seconds to load uh, the very first time the computer is turned on. Investigations show that this delay took place in Cinnamon menus and Cinnamon desktop during the initial loading of application infos from like the menus and the user share applications directories and the icon themes, of course. Through optimizations, the loading times were reduced from 12 seconds to 7 seconds on average, which is a first step but doesn't yet solve uh, anything um, he says, we're still working on this and hoping we'll be able to drastically reduce that initial time. Wouldn't it be cool if Cinnamon becomes one of the fastest, snappiest desktops? Really? That would be very cool, especially considering all its little bells and whistles. Uh, Mint has also made a call out for uh, um, photographers and uh, graphics designers and web people. Uh, they need a lot of work there, and they'd eventually like to have somebody that could maybe even take over responsibility of the look of, uh, of Linux Mint. Some also wow. some information about uh, upcoming releases. Linux Mint 18 is going to be released sometime in 2016. We don't have a specific date yet. However, uh, Linux Mint 17.2, which I believe is based on Ubuntu 14.04, uh, will be coming soon, probably very soon. So we'll uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, congrats to the Linux Mint people. I wanted to try to give them a little coverage uh, since uh, we've been kind of missing that. Uh, anybody want to chime in on anything before I move on? No? Okay, good enough. Sometimes there's nothing to say. Uh, I wanted to uh, mention that I started a meetup and a couple of things. Boy, there's a lot to cover today. I'm sorry I'm going kind of fast, but uh, I wanted to get to some of our other topics. And, uh, so I decided to do something. Uh, I decided to create a meetup group for Jupiter Broadcasting. 
I've been uh, kind of trying to figure out the best way to sort of organize uh, future um, uh, meetups and as well as Linux Fest Northwest. Uh, so I have uh, – I kind of wanted to get an idea of how many people are coming to Linux Fest Northwest for planning, but I realized long term, uh, as the weather gets nice in the Seattle area, I'd like to maybe do semi-frequent meetups uh, with Jupiter Broadcasting audience members, maybe like once a month. Maybe we could even record them or stream them, uh, you know, eat, chat, talk about show stuff. And then, of course, if we travel – and we have an event, we would use this meetup group that I set up to organize events in your local area. Uh, so I have uh, linked, and I'll, uh, I, will, uh, I will link it uh, right now in the uh, IRC as I'm talking too. I've created an event for Linux Fest Northwest, and I've created just a general Jupiter Broadcasting group on uh, meetup.com. I don't know if meetup.com is the best place, but it seems to be pretty popular in the Seattle area. There's lots of open source uh, meetups already on there. So I was hoping maybe we could capitalize on some of that too. So I, I created an event for Linux Fest Northwest. If you're going to be uh, going, please go to meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting and go to the Linux Fest Northwest event. I'll have it linked in the show notes. And uh, RSVP. So we just get an idea of uh, how much uh, food and uh, swag items we need to bring. It'd be a rough idea. But the other I think idea it's got is, a, lot of, a lot of potential if you think about it because there's a lot of local folks that would love to do yeah, that. I think maybe then we could get a list of uh, local folks and in the future we'll do uh, other we'll have the we'll have the list and we can let them know we're going to do other meetups as well. And right. uh, we could all, I don't know if meetup lets you but maybe we could just notify you when you're going to be in your area too because I figure when we travel or we go to other fests we could use this as a way to sort of organize events in that area too. So the site is really cool. the, or the page is meetup.com/jupiterbroadcasting and the event is linked in the show notes. So we start with Linux Fest Northwest. Maybe give us an idea of how many you're going, and then we'll use it for other stuff. That'd be neat. Who needs a mumber and buy guys? I'm replacing you with people in real life. Ha! <laughs> no kidding, right? I'm just kidding. Actually, uh, Wimpy sounds so good this week, you'd almost think he's in studio. I know. It's a, yeah. it's a new mic or something? Yeah. Or What'd you do, Wimpy? Tell yeah. Matt. It's an old mic. I uh, I got some oh. old kit from the loft and a few <laughs> USB adapters and had a bit of an experiment last night. And you sound good. Wow, you sound good, right? Yeah. Does he sound good? He sounds, sounds so good. really good. He sounds so good. You'd think he's you'd think he's going to be here for Linux Fest Northwest, but he's he's not. I, re- <laughs> I really wanted to try and go. Really wanted to try and go. Yeah, I know, I know. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. I think next year definitely. Uh, so check. Maybe out. even present. Really? That'd be really cool. Yeah, you could go. Yeah, totally wimpy. Oh my gosh, don't tease. I would like that a lot. Um. All right, so uh, if you are going to make it, uh, check out uh, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting, and you'll find the Linux Fest Northwest event there. Let us know if you're going. Uh, and also, if you'd like to maybe volunteer for Linux Fest Northwest, they do have a contact page, Linux Fest Northwest slash contact, and you can give them your info. Maybe you got something you can help them do. That'd be kind of cool. Just give them a mention. Uh, all right, so I want to talk about this uh, hardware device. This uh, uh, is made it on the, it's like the, one of the top stories in our subreddit this week. It's called the Onion Omega. And it looks like wow. it's about. It looks like it's smaller than a USB thumb drive. Uh, it's. I'd say it's a little bit bigger than a quarter, and uh, it's kind of amazing. It's a tiny but powerful Linux uh, with Wi-Fi, uh, an app store. Um, you, you think those Chrome sticks look interesting? Uh, they got nothing. They got nothing on this thing. So uh, I want to show this to you guys and and see if this could be a viable thing. And if it is, maybe uh, well, maybe we'll get one and uh, maybe we'll review it on the show and uh, put our on it. I mean, uh, Matei. I mean, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but first, uh, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Ting. Go to linux.ting.com. Linux.ting.com. That'll take $25 off your first device. Or, you know what, you probably have a device that works with Ting because they just take all these GSM devices now and they take a whole bunch of CDMA devices. So if you've got a device that already works with Ting, uh, they'll give you $25 service credit. Oh, wait, you don't know what Ting is? Oh, my gosh. 
How did you not hear about the best thing to happen to mobile ever? I'm serious. Ting is really here to shake up the mobile duopoly. It's mobile that makes sense. No contracts. You only pay for what you use. Flat six dollar dollar dollars for that line. It, you just you want a new line on your tingle? You just boom six dollars six dollars. That is less than a sandwich these days for a cell phone line. Six dollars a month in your usage on top of it. They have a kick-ass dashboard that totally dominates all the other carriers' dashboards. It takes their dashboards and smashes them into the ground by the face. It is such a great dashboard. But then to like lap them, they have no hold customer service. You call that ting at one eight five five ting FTW anytime between eight a.m. or eight p.m. and a human answers the phone, and that human is empowered to solve your problems. You know why? Because they're like, hey, here's an idea. Let's hire Android geeks to do our Android phone support. Let's hire I iOS fanboys to do our iOS support. So you get the enthusiasts. And then they said, hey, you know what? Let's give them the ability to actually just solve the problem on their first call. Solve the problem on their first call. What a freaking concept. What a freaking concept. That's Ting. And they just, they just like that kind of just very straightforward logic applies to everything. I'll give you another example. Uh, you want hotspot and tethering? Turn it on. Just check the box. That's why Google built it into the OS, and that's why Apple built it into the OS, and probably Microsoft does it. I don't know what Microsoft does. Anyway, that's why it's there. You should just be able to turn it on. It's a wireless ISP. You want to treat Ting like a wireless ISP? Do it, bro. Go for it, sister. I don't care. I'm not judging you because you're only paying for what you use. They take your minutes, your message, your megabytes, and that's it. Go to linux.ting.com to get started. I'll tell you how crazy like a Fox Ting is too. Look up over on their blog post right now. The Ting tip for Android. Make calls through Hangouts for free. They, they talk about this app that's in the Play Store that just sets up your dialer to use the Hangouts app. So when you just make calls and you dial phone numbers on your Android phone, it just routes the call through Hangouts. So all your calls are free. Now, that's going to cost Ting money. They're going to make less money off you because you are not going to use as many cellular minutes. You're going to be making your calls over Wi-Fi. That's crazy like a fox. That's Ting. Linux.ting.com. Go check them out. Been my mobile service provider for well over two years now. Linux.ting.com. And a big thanks to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged program. You crazy foxes over there, you keep it up. You keep it up. And I can't wait to get myself a brand new spanking uh, Android phone soon and put it on the Ting GSM network. Linux.ting.com. All right. So this is maybe the coolest thing ever. We've, we've, we've shown many a hardware devices on the Unplugged show. In fact, I want to show more. Uh, but uh, uh, we've also shown many a Kickstarter, many a Kickstarter. Uh, but you guys, not only is this one of the coolest Kickstarter devices we have ever seen on the show, I, I think this is the best Kickstarter video I have ever seen, at least for anything that runs Linux. So uh, here it is, the tiny but powerful Linux Wi-Fi development board with 166 back- six backers. It's currently at $5,285 at a $15,000 goal. A nice, modest goal, $15,000. That's, that's modest. 34 days to go. Here we go. Check this thing out. This is so, so freaking cool. Uh, and uh, I think i got to give mad props for a great Kickstarter video as well. There are two worlds. The real world and the digital. And then there's the cat world. <laughs> oh, the lovely cat world. The problem with the two worlds is that in order to connect objects in the real world with the digital world, you need to be a rocket scientist or some sort of physicist from the Manhattan Project or one of those brains in a jar. But not anymore. Meet Onion.
For the past year, we've been hard at work building something that's small, affordable, and really easy to use so that we can merge the two worlds together. We want it to be like Tony Stark and be able to build whatever comes to our mind without learning how to build these things. And that is exactly why we created this, the Onion Omega. Thanks, Oliver. It's a tiny computer with built-in Wi-Fi and runs the Linux operating system. This little bad boy lets you create connected devices in environments that you're already familiar with using tools such as SSH, Git, and NPM. And it also allows you to write software in Python, Node.js, PHP, or whatever language you feel comfortable with. You now have the power to build anything you can imagine, <laughs> such as smart home devices. Okay, security drones. Yeah, I want that too. Security spiders. What? I don't want that. I do not want that. I do not want that. I do not want that. Or I do even not want a cat that. feeder. A cat feeder that realizes your cat is too fat. With and a laser? Then makes it exercise. A uh, laser pointer. Or if you don't want to build from scratch, you can browse the Onion App Store for ready-made apps. In fact, if you want to see what you can build on the Omega right now, click on the live demo below and start to experience the Omega in real time. <laughs> I want the cat stuff. That's cool. Yeah, this is so okay. So this is the Omega Onion, uh, and I'm telling you, it's the future. You're going to have one of these in your backpack. You're going to have one of these in your uh, in your uh, I don't know your milk jug. Uh, this thing is nuts. It's tiny. It is one fourth the size of a Raspberry Pi. Wow. It's got a full Linux environment. Full Linux environment, they say, with a powerful processor capable of running the full Linux operating system. That is just... I mean, it's just the stuff you can do with it. And the ready-made apps, that's going to make this work. That's what's going to yeah, make this work the, the app store is Because someone like me that's lazy, it's just like, I just, want, I just want the cool stuff, you know? Right, yeah, that is actually a pretty good point. <laughs> and, it, and it comes with a pretty nice little UI out of the box where yeah. you can load stuff. Uh, to me, this looks like uh, a a like a, finally a version of this kind of this kind of tech that might be more approachable to somebody like me. Uh, whereas, like I think the Raspberry Pi and the Arduino boards or in the BeagleBone Black are super cool, but I just I am not inventive enough to see them and come up with something, right? But, oh, yeah, but me this, either. but this, this looks a little more approachable to me. Um, I don't know. A number of them. Any thoughts? Would you guys back something like this? The prices here. I'll give you the prices and you guys tell me what you think, okay? So here's your backing prices. If you just want to get in uh, sort of cheapo uh, style, you know, like uh, low rent, uh, you could just uh, – uh, you could get uh, – uh, there's – oh, they're all gone. They're, they did start at $19. They, they're all gone now. Uh, for $25, you get an Omega and a Dock. $35, you get an Omega and a Dock uh, and a Dock or Expansion. But you really start cooking when you get up to 99 bucks. 99 bucks, you get a camera kit, which is you get the Omega, a dock, the camera kit, a tilt mount, a servo, an Omega servo, and accessory instructions and wiring. There, and then it just keeps going up. Like $109, you get the printer kit. $119, you get all that stuff and a starter kit and essential items to build uh, something else. I don't you know, like everything, you get more and more stuff. So it's a pretty straightforward pricing structure, starting as, you know, as you can go as low as $35. Um, are really twenty five dollars for a little bit longer? There's only twenty one spots left, I think. But uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Mumbo, my thoughts pretty seems like a pretty reasonable price for a pretty interesting device. Yes, no. I'm not really happy with the software. Well, I think it is. Uh, what was I'm sorry. What about the software? They've kind of 
made their own onion cloud. Yes. Own lab. Yes. Own, um, everything. Yes. I'm not sure how future proof it is if they're only a small company. Well, that's actually a pretty fair critique, actually. I have two two reasons. Okay. Two things. One called the Onion Omega. Yes. Which I mean it gets points right there. Yeah. And then two the guy almost sounded like Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah, that's great, right? Which gives <laughs> it a few points. So just yep. based on those two things, I guess you almost have to. See, okay, that was what I was thinking is the Morgan Freeman yeah. really did it for me. Uh, I, I thought I liked this idea too because, um, you know, last week we talked about uh, – uh, oh, I should follow up on that too. Last week we talked about a computer for my kid. And uh, the, and, and uh, I think it was I think it was Wimpy that recommended, you know, the, uh, you know, get him a computer, but maybe also get him a Raspberry Pi. Um, I think that, well, that was you, right, Wimpy? What do you think about this as opposed to the it Raspberry Pi for kids? Well, this is, I think, the step on from the Raspberry Pi, isn't it? Um, this is the next level of um, uh, sort of DIY computing and experimentation. Um, so, yeah, definitely something when you've surpassed the initial novelty of the Raspberry Pi and using it a bit more like a traditional computer and you want to get into robotics and actually embed a device in something or, you know, motorize small things, then uh, then this looks like a, a neat solution for yeah, that. Yeah. And not too expensive. Yeah, and lots I, of language support as well. And I see Python in there, which, of course, you're soon going to be an expert <laughs> in, so that'll be good. Oh, I there see. You go. Although now they're trying to get me back onto Ruby again. So, you know, after no, the don't, week. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> I, you know, uh, so a follow-up. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to get a computer for my son. And uh, I had an exchange with our friends at uh, System76. Um, now, I won't say who, but I, I got like an Apple-style uh, rumor for you. You ready for this? Rumor yeah. has it. Now, I cannot confirm or deny this, but rumor has it on Thursday of this week. So let's see. What day is that going to be? Do, do, do. So this is Tuesday the 31st. So on uh, April – oh, yeah. It's probably a good idea. They don't do it on April. Yeah. So on April 2nd, a new System76 laptop is going to be announced. That's Ooh. the rumor. That's the rumor. And so it might be the perfect machine for my son, and I might have first dibs on it. <laughs> <laughs> Those, nice. These all might be things that are true. They may, may or not. So we'll see. And then if, if if they if they do have a new laptop that releases uh, this Thursday, then uh, we'll probably have one of the first reviews because I think I'm going to have one of the first units on uh, the Linux Action Show. So that was oh, that's uh, awesome. I decided to go with a laptop so that way he could come to the studio and uh, you know I'll probably make him use this yeah. machine for like five six years. So <laughs> or 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 yeah. he'll use it for a couple of years and then his sisters will use it for a couple of years as they get a little right. bit older. So yeah. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that'll work out pretty good for him. I think he'll, I think he'll like it quite a bit, and uh, I think it's going to be the perfect machine for him too. So, yeah, I really like call, really nice of him. That was really nice of him. So, what do you think? Should we back this uh, Onion Omega? What do you, what do you guys? Oh, I could go in. I could I, go in for uh, uh, for twenty five bucks. Should I? Is it worth backing to see if we could get one for the show? I think so. I mean, I think just based on the fact that it said, "Hey, Chris, would you like to be your own Tony Stark?" I think they kind of win there. So I would, I would say, yeah, like to be him. my own Tony Stark, man. That, that right? is, yeah, yeah. Uh, all Sam. right, do it. Chat room says do it. Mumble room. Anybody yeah. want to say don't do it? Anybody want to vote for not not backing this project? Uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. I'm going to do it. There we go. Wow. Okay. There we go. I'm going to back. I'm backing it right now. I'll back at twenty five dollars, and because I feel like twenty five dollars is totally worth it if we can have it here on the show. So, so I get- just. Hmm? And I've just bought a device that you can use to exploit your newfound Python skills. Yeah, you're really pushing me in that <laughs> direction. I feel, I feel, I feel slight amount of pressure to go in a certain direction. 
As long as you learn something, Chris, we'll back you no matter what. Oh man! All right, so uh, there we go. I just I just backed it, and uh, I felt good. I feel like that was a good choice. Like at first, I wasn't sure if that was a good choice, but then I remembered that I wanted to be Tony Stark, and then I felt like a good choice. Uh, and I also want Morgan Freeman to narrate my decisions and uh, all decisions I make. So that sort of sealed the deal for me. Uh, and if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to as well, it's. I mean, they're only they only have a couple of slots left at the twenty five dollar, and then it starts getting expensive. <clears throat> But there we go. Woohoo. I, just, I mean, at the $35 level, that's that's a pretty good deal because you get basically the same components me. as the uh, you get you can you can opt to get the the network card and then you get the same components as the Raspberry Pi basically. Now you tell me after I just backed the $25 one, dude. Way too late on the commentary. Way too late. On the- <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Sorry, I should have mentioned it earlier. I was gonna mention it earlier, but then I was like, eh, "No, you gotta mention that." I pulled the trigger. Yeah. You gotta. Oh. Should I cancel it? Can you cancel a Kickstarter? Is that like a what's that called when you back something and you pull out? What's that called? Are you talking about on Kickstarter yeah. or in real life? Yeah, oh, no, yeah, no, Kickstarter. No, you're, not, you're, not completely pulling out. you're just pulling out and giving them more money instead. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I should you leave a note like, more and like they'll upgrade former is called birth control, but yeah, yeah. I, I should just like send them a note like, this is not. I'm not judging you with this cancellation. I love you, really. I'm just giving you more money. I'm sorry. No, I think it's fine. Twenty five dollars. I think fine. you can do it. That's fine. No, twenty five. I don't. I don't. I mean, I do. Well, that's it's not it's not too committal. You get in there early. Um, if they grow cool, you can always add to it, right? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, it's just it's just, it's just to get a yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted something for the show. <sighs> okay, all right. Well, jeez. Uh, if you want, if you wanted to, it, oh, you know what we need? That's why he has three kids. Wow, wow. You can change your pledge. Okay, all right. So that, maybe I'll do that. I don't know. We'll save that for the post show if I remember. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's um, probably a good plan. Okay, so we might have a little ass kicking that uh, we need to be handed to us, and uh, we got it. We got a we got a couple of good notes that came into the show. And okay. uh, uh, um, Ryan, did uh, did our uh, our friend from Evolve OS show up? He's here. Okay, who is that? Ike. Hi, Ike. Hi, Hi Ike. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. And you're with Evolve OS. Uh, that's one way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you are Evolve OS. <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good. I'm really glad you're here because uh, we, we we just you could give us a great perspective on this. I think discussion we're about to have. Uh, and, uh, um, and, and really, which sort of translates into how much attention do we give distributions that maybe don't have a larger user base as some of the other ones, which obviously translates into audience interest. So it's kind of a, it's a kind of a tricky topic for us, but because, you know, part of our, part of the goal of our show is to give exposure to things that deserve more exposure that aren't currently getting it. It's something I feel it's worth reevaluating, um, pretty frequently. I don't want to make it obnoxious, but because you, the listener have a bit of a stake in this, I think it's probably good. We just have this discussion with our lug. On the record, so you know where, if there's a bias, where it lies, which there isn't one, but you at least know the logic and the process that goes into selecting what we coverage, uh, what we cover, and and uh, what dictates that coverage. So uh, before we do that, I'll thank uh, our third sponsor this week, and that's DigitalOcean. Now, uh, this is the secret right here. You want to make yourself look like a boss. You want to offer out client services. You want to have a great back-end infrastructure. You want to make sure your website runs super fast. You want to make sure your project looks smart. You want to have your own domain. You want to get your data off some cloud service. You want to do it right. It's DigitalOcean. I'll tell you why. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own cloud server. You're going to have root access with an HTML5 console and through a great interface I'll tell you about. 
And all of it, you can get started right now in super, super no time, like super flat no time. It's crazy. And you can try it out two months for absolutely free when you use our promo code. We got a special promo code for the, for the uh, Unplugged show. It's D-O Unplugged. D-O Unplugged, all lowercase, one word to get you a $10 credit over DigitalOcean. Find out about DigitalOcean. Just go try it with that promo code because there's no cost up front. You're not going to need a credit card. And you can get started in less than 55 seconds. You'll have a server for less than $5 a month or about $5 a month. I, uh, I actually have three servers. And I like it a lot because I just apply a balance to my account. And this is, I think, a really great system because I have a few, I have a few PayPal accounts and one I use for Steam purchases. And that PayPal account that I use for Steam purchases, I just also sometimes have a couple extra bucks after I buy the Steam games and I'll just send them over to my DigitalOcean account. But you can use our promo code DOUnplugged and you get a $10 credit and you can try out the $5 rig for free. Here's what you're going to get for $5. 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. A terabyte. They're all SSDs, too. Uh, they did that early on, and I think that's a really smart move. It made them really competitive. And they've got data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. But their interface is really great. The, the DigitalOcean control panel is like their secret sauce. It sits on top of their great connectivity. They're excellent data centers. They're all SSD I.O. Of course, Linux, the KVM virtualizer, which, as you know, you know is the best out there. Come on, what's up? It's, come on, you know that. All of that rides on top. Well, all of that is just controlled by this... This interface is just amazing. It's the best out there. It's very intuitive, and you can replicate its functionality on a larger scale with DigitalOcean's very straightforward API, which a lot of the community is already doing. You can take advantage of the stuff that's already out there. You can do DNS management. You can take care of your snapshots, back things up, destroy them, uh, use the template to get started even faster, use one-click deployments to get Ruby on Rails going, Docker, GitLab, all kinds of stuff, Ghost, WordPress. I mean, the, it's, the list is just always growing. So much good stuff. And use the promo code DOUnplug, try it out two months for free. D-O unplugged, one word, lowercase. Head over to DigitalOcean, try it out. Check out their tutorials as well. They're really top-notch. DigitalOcean.com, D-O unplugged. Get the $10 credit and a big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Unplugged program. It's a really good service. Okay, so uh, let's talk about uh, uh, our coverage. So uh, we've kind of got Gabriel3 uh, in the subreddit kicks it off. He says, hi there, Chris, Matt, Noah, JB Producers, Mumble Room, uh, Fellow community members, on the latest Linux Unplugged episode, Chris announced a roundtable on distro coverage criteria. In my opinion, it's worth to express our thoughts on this as a community, too. Uh, he wanted to kind of walk, work through this. You know, you have mainstream distros, you have new distros, uh, third derivative distros that are beginner-friendly. Uh, fifth is, you know, uh, he says you also have uh, uh, um, fifth, despite Chris and JB's goodwill. Some interesting distros will not be covered because there are hundreds of distros. It's quite impossible. That's very true. Um, so he started off a pretty good conversation, and folks, you know, sort of kicked in. Like some people want to see more coverage on NixOS, and I wasn't so sure I wanted to get into the specific distros we should be covering. Although we can talk about specific distros, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, sort of the selection criteria, and then maybe Ike can chime in with what he thinks about it from somebody who's maybe tried to get more attention uh, from a media outlets. So our selection usually is based on what we perceive to probably generate the most interest in the audience, and also. It has to be something we have experience with or use ourselves to some degree to be able to review it. And that depends. Like, so, you know, we'll try out an op, we'll try out a distro for a couple of weeks that we don't actually run just to do a review. But things that are more in our wheelhouse are going to be stuff that's closer to our daily run. So that, that's sort of, if there is a bias, that would be it. Um, and then what we select, the only real selection criteria is if it interests us and we think it might interest the audience. So sometimes we will feature something that maybe the audience has never heard of, but we think, ah, based on what we think they're going to like, once they find out about this, it'll, it'll pique their interest, and so we'll run it. Um, but that does mean that certain things kind of get left out more often than not. 
um, distributions that maybe you could label as less relevant, but I don't really feel like that's fair because even a really small distribution can have something very innovative going on. But it's maybe distributions that have a much lower user base. I don't know exactly how to say this. That, um, that sounds about right to me. Yeah, you know where I'm trying to go here, right? Is yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, something that makes uh, – uh, Ryan, you have an idea of what makes something coverable? Yeah, uh, there are derivative distributions sure. out there and a lot of distributions that build just ever so slightly on you know an innovation from uh, its parent distro, which is fine. But to me, that doesn't make it necessarily worth covering. I think you're right when you say you you really want to cover distro when it's doing something innovative and new and something that might actually be a game changer. Mm-hmm. One reason I contribute to and enjoy Evolve OS is because they Ike did a really great job of pulling out a lot of stuff and he built it on top of not it's not a derivative of another distro necessarily, or at least not any living distros. Um, and and really just rethought the whole desktop you know environment yeah, that's from cool. the ground up. Yeah, that's and exciting. so when when you look what I would like to hear as, as a five-year listener of uh, Jupiter Broadcasting is, is about distros that are doing something new and exciting, not necessarily every distro that pops up as a derivative. Not, I don't want to hear about the Ubuntu derivative. Sorry, Opie and Wimby. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Sometimes they're really good. <laughs> well, if they are, then that's great. I think Ubuntu Mate is worth hearing about because, I mean, where, where are you going to go to try out Mate? You know, if you're not on Arch or someplace where you're just going to throw it on your machine and go. Everywhere. It's in every distribution. But not done right. Not done right, is it? Uh, Well, no. Some distributions do it better than others, but, you know. Okay, so uh, Ike, coming from the uh, you know the Evolve OS perspective, uh, you probably don't hear Evolve OS mentioned uh, as often as you'd like. What are your thoughts on, on, on that sort of spot you get stuck in when you're a distribution of that size? Lovers. Um, basically, uh, we we wouldn't get a lot of attention. So, but what people are interested in now is ooh shiny. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to point out any specific distros at the moment um, because, like, people listen to this and I'd get in trouble. Um, but people are really, really interested in the whole design-led philosophy at the moment. So, something's really, really pretty. They take something else and basically whack a new skin on it, and that's what people seem to be interested in. So, for us. Um, I guess you could say in that way that we suffer um, mm. because, you know, I mean, we got the budgie desktop and, you know, it's kind of sexy. Um, but people want all the shiny Google things, um, which we're not really doing. We're more interested in making something that works. Um, so, yeah, we do have to work a bit harder. But unlike some of the other projects, we're not actually financially dependent on success, mm. which kind of makes things a lot easier for us. Like we're not whacking a new wallpaper on and saying, uh, can we have a donation because you know we look good? So it's easier for us in that respect. I uh, and the, the thing that it seems to be the hump you have to find the, the hump to get over is that oh, this is something interesting happening here, hump. And then once everybody kind of agrees something interesting is happening here, it seems like the coverage just sort of naturally starts rolling. Um, and so why don't you tell us a little bit about Evolve OS and pique people's interest because it looks super slick. It looks really nice. Um. I mean, so it's got a bit of a history behind it. So, I mean, a lot of people would know that I was, you know, involved in, well, involved in Solar Sways. I was Solar Sways uh, before all this. 
Um, so what I did there is, you know, we made a couple of mistakes along the way with Solus West. Um, one of the things I really, really, really wanted to do is make something that only targeted the desktop. Now, to a lot of people, that's going to sound really stupid because they'd be like, well, you can take Ubuntu or Fedora and just like, you know, only have a desktop on there. But the, the problem with those distributions are they are very much generic. Now, I don't mean that by way of an insult to those distributions, but if we look at Debian, it advertises itself as the universal distribution. You know, it's the, it's the universal operating system. You can use it anywhere. Um, to be fair, I mean, I only have desktop machines, and I really couldn't care less if I had the, the potential to run this on a Raspberry Pi or something like that. I just want to run a desktop <laughs> machine. I mean, it's great being able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But for me, I just want something that runs on what I have, and that happens to be 64-bit machines that are desktops. Mm-hmm. So I only want a desktop, and I don't want to be able to run this like with Apache and MySQL and you know all those carry-on. Sorry, MariaDB. Got to be politically correct. Right, of course. Got to keep it hip. <laughs> Got to keep it hip. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's all I wanted. So it had to be very, very, you know, it had to be trim from the get-go. It couldn't have all these possible options. So you can only run budgie desktop on that. That's, that's all you're getting. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Budgie Desktop is it's a GTK and Mother-based desktop similar to, I guess, similar to how Pantheon is implemented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just use the same libraries and basically piggyback on all that hard work, uh, to put it bluntly. Um, but another approach with this was kind of to show people what you can do with GNOME. So, you know, I mean, GNOME has been forked so many times now that they're going to need to puncture a packet. Like, there's just loads of forks, like, flying around the place. Um, we wanted to show what you could do with the technology. You know, it, it, it's a bit more work, but in the end it pays off. So we've got a healthy upstream uh, relationship with GNOME. We contribute to GNOME. I, I know I'm supposed to be saying GNOME, but, you know, I, I have the remnants of an accent, mm-hmm. and that, that's just not happening. I see, and you, <laughs> you link to Friends of GNOME here on your site, right here on the blog. is nice. So, yeah, yeah. you've got to be nice, yeah, you know, got to help them out, and we find bugs in them. Um, sometimes they're not interesting bugs to the non-project, so I don't know if it, about you guys, but like, I like to play Kerbal Space Program, because you oh, know, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm so rad and, and, and cool. This, this is not selling, is it? Um, <laughs> so one of the problems that I actually found is on older versions of GNOME, uh-huh. or GNOME Shell, or in our instance, Budgie, would just die which was really, really oddly depressing. I couldn't play Kerbal Space Program. So we found out the fix for that and sent the patch upstream, and that's now living in Mutter. Hmm. So that's some of the stuff that we do that you wouldn't find in, say, a respin, where they add a new wallpaper on. That you know, There's not a lot of upstream stuff happening, whereas we build everything. Right, yeah. And that's a ton of work. I mean, that's the downside, right? Is it, doesn't, that, doesn't that seem like a huge, huge, never-ending amount of work? Uh, yes and no. Um, so, I mean, when I was building LibreOffice, wow. I mean, I'm getting flashbacks now. That was hard. <laughs> <laughs> I was ranting all over Google Plus about that. And then, you know, four hours into the build, and it's like, yeah, dude, I needed this tool that I didn't tell you I needed. It's like, ah, thanks. Um, but, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, people seem to think distribution building is all about packaging because that that's the concept we've been exposed to that you know you get all these packages and you put them together well to be honest packaging is really boring so if people tell you they they like maintaining a, like a load of packages and updating them they they're either lying to you or you need to refer them to the local mental health unit because you know it's not nice to do it so some of the stuff that we're tackling in Evolve OS is basically just to get rid of all that crap. So how so does like, that work though? How would like so how do security updates work? Is there a package management? Does it pull down updates and or, or is it what? How does that system work? 
Okay, so we're using... I can't even say the name of the package manager because we renamed it. Um, I guess you would pronounce it PC, uh, but it's spelled P-I-S-I. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so that was abandoned by Pardis Linux like a couple of years ago. So the the way I was looking, I wasn't really interested. I know it sounds bad, but I wasn't interested in package management itself because I think that's really, 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 really boring. So, I mean, if you're looking for a real hardcore package manager that's got all the bells and whistles and all that kind of stuff, then use Arch Linux or something that really care about their package manager because I don't. I want to be able to install packages and update them. To me, that's what a package manager But I noticed do. like Firefox 37, which came out today, is available for Evolve OS already. It is because it takes me no time to update it at all. So the, the, the thing that we want to do is make everything really easy. So it's about the development process because it's mainly me doing the packaging. I've also got Justin doing packaging now. But if I'm going to spend hours doing packaging, then there's going to, there's never going to be a feature in the distribution. There's never going to be any level of integration, which is So if know, I'm pointless. super concerned about security fixes, should I maybe use something else? So this is more about experimenting a little bit? Oh, no, we do security updates. So I think it was just the other day that um, we did some glibc updates. Uh, there was another one that went in yesterday. I'd have to check the Git log, to be honest, but it's all up on GitHub. So... One of the projects that I've I've done in my own work time, like in my own professional work, um, is open source, and that's called CVE Check Tool. Mm. Now, that's usable by all projects. So, yes, I made it for work, but I also made sure that it worked for Evolve OS as mm. well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you've got to do these things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that particular tool is something that's now being used by Evolve OS, and it uses the National Vulnerability Database, which is synced every three to four hours and maps them to every source package we have in our distribution. Uh, which, to be fair, I mean, it's not the greatest number, but they'll then tell us if we have any vulnerabilities, what we've patched, what we've addressed. Um, you know, like the, the latest open SSL incident, it discovered that uh, before it had been formally an, an announced. But it's it's, it's all uh, non-embargo TVs, but there is a process to it. Sure. you got to have secure, up-to-date software, but we're not a rolling release. Right. So it's um, <clears throat> So there are points in time where I would sort of maybe reload after a certain new release. It wouldn't be necessarily upgraded to that new release. Right, yeah. and I mean that's kind of a across that bridge when we get to a yeah. uh, situation because we haven't done a, a one to two yet. Mm. But ideally, we want to make it an update that works because you know Linux is notorious for it doing like a between two big two major releases. So we want to make sure that actually does work when we go ahead and do that. <laughs> that sounds really exciting. That sounds like a really interesting. Does anybody in the mumble room have any questions uh, for uh, Ike? I, I I think I'll be download the ISO and give it a run. Sounds pretty fun. I think it's something I want to yeah. test out. I've actually got a machine in mind I'd like to pop yeah, it on there. It's go. going through the website and just kind of getting a feel for it. I like I like the layout. I like where it's going. I think it's interesting, but Let's it's definitely it. something I want to immerse myself in for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, you guys would really probably want to chat our software center. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, <laughs> pretty darn lightweight. It loads oh, yeah? instantly. That's not a jab at anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but and uh Granted, right now it's it's still getting defied kind of by our art team and our and our app de- uh, developers, but uh, okay. we hope that it'll both look sexy and be speedy because nobody wants to wait whenever they're ready to install a new package, and uh, and I'm really excited about what that could be yeah. in the future. Right. Yeah, Very really. Cool. Yeah, that's definitely up rally. Wimpy, you had a question. Yeah. So, hello, Ike. Um, I'm running Evolve OS on one of my laptops. It's one of the distributions that I tinker with and take a look at to see see what inspiration I can draw from it. 
Um, but I was wondering, what's your sort of long-term plans for the project? Where do you want to take it? And what's your sort of drive and motivation for making it? Sure. So, I mean, I guess to shorten the question, is basically, is it a hobby or is it something that's actually going to go somewhere, right? Not necessarily, just, you know, why, why are you making it and where do you want to take the project? So, for me personally, I've had, you know, I've had a bit of a problem with Linux distributions for quite a while now. Um, you know, I've been around doing the whole Linux distro thing for a while. I I kind of have a vision of what a distribution should be, and to me personally, nothing I use on the desktop suits what I want. Um, you know, uh, to me, you should never have to open a terminal. Yes, I, I am a geek, you know, I mean, I'm paid as a software engineer. I, I use a terminal a lot, but I don't believe I should be using that to do something as stupid as make Pulse Audio work again, <laughs> or to reload a configuration, or... I mean, the most common thing you see on any forum is just like, just open the terminal and type sudo app get install or sudo yum, this, that, and the other. You shouldn't be doing that. Like, everything should work from the get-go. So this isn't a packaging effort. It really is like an integration and distribution effort. Um, the If you like the distribution model, when we go forward from, like, the stable release, you're looking at basically two years' support per release mm. because it should keep working. And why should everyone keep updating? Because things just don't get that exciting in two years. Um, so for rolling release distros, I mean, that, that's all well and nice, but I personally don't want to break, uh, deal with a breakage in libpng, <laughs> and I don't think anyone else does, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, for users, the thing that are really important is, like, is my Firefox browser two years out of date? No. Great. Do I have VLC? Is it re- is it recent? Do I have all the support I need? Yes. Brilliant. Like, you know, and going forward, we can have things like automated driver management, which is basically a given now. Uh, but there's other things going on behind the scenes, like uh, backup and things like that. Mm. Um, cool. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just a silly little thing. So... One thing that's always got me, and I don't know about you guys, but when you boot up now and you look at Grub on any single distro, you've got a recovery option, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, what if Grub is gone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, like, yes, yes. Yeah, I've actually experienced that, yes. Right, so it's a completely redundant pain. option. And mm-hmm. you look at package managers. So, I mean, the package manager that we basically inherited and slash forked, if you like, I mean, it's got options to do like um, it's got rollback, which you know that's absolutely great. But that needs to roll back from the internet. So if I push out an update, say and I know, and I broke Network Manager, which I totally didn't do a couple of months ago. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> yeah, that was well awkward. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, you're, you're absolutely screwed. You ha- you have no network connectivity. That that's gone. Or let's say like you know, Grub has gone, or you you've corrupted the first few blocks of your hard drive. You're absolutely and utterly screwed. So the, I don't see anything out there at the moment that's solving them for desktop distros. There's no like immediate recovery option. There isn't the whole thing you have with Windows. Yeah, I mentioned Windows. People can burn me. I don't care. It's cool. Um, <laughs> but you don't have realistic recovery options. You don't – I mean, what, what's the most common thing people do? It's like, oh, no, that's screwed. I'm going to reinstall it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you have to think in the concept like – I mean, you know, I'm not making a product here. I'm really not. But you have to think along the lines of that this is a product. And you have to imagine as if it was an OEM installation. They, they have no disk to reinstall it. What are they going to do? So you have to start thinking of solutions like that. How are these people yeah. going to get by for the next two years with no recovery disk? You don't want them to reinstall, and you have to be able to solve the problems. You need to be able to roll back somewhere. So that's the kind of things that we want to address in Evolver West. Cool. Longevity of an installation, basically. Very nice. Uh, Lael, you wanted to, uh, Lael, you wanted to ask a question? Yeah. Um, my question is this. I notice in... I mean, most of the distros I've tried, right now I am on 
Ubuntu Mate. Most of the distros I tried, whether in VirtualBox or actually on my system, they require you to res- type in the command prompt to resolve dependencies. How does your distribution answer the question of resolving dependency through installing it through your package manager? So the package manager is something we basically wanted to abstract. I mean, you can use it from a terminal. That's really, really fine. If that, you know, that's what gets you going, more than fine doing that. But I mean, it works the same as any other package manager. You have binary dependencies. Uh, when we build our packages, that's actually automatic at runtime, similar to RPM. So if there's a binary dependency by a shared library. That that's automatic. So dependency resolution, all that stuff, you know, works the same as any other distro. But we don't really want people to use that because that's dull, boring, and what not. You know, not what quote normal people do. So you'd have a graphical software manager where you get everything done. Um, but yeah, dependencies and everything—that's all automatic. And there's one place that we do differ to, say, Ubuntu or Debian. Uh, we avoid package conflicts. So in the likes, of, if it's, especially things like build dependencies, uh, which you know not applicable to a user. But in Debian, you have like uh, libjpg and you have libjpg turbo, which both conflict with each other. With us, we'll just choose one, and we'll use that across the entire distribution. So you won't install something. It's like, ah, but you need to remove those 49 packages and probably break your system. So we avoid those and design it to work going forward anyway. And uh, Colton, you had a question. Uh, yeah. So I went ahead and I torrented your ISO, and I <laughs> loaded it up in a virtual box just now. Um, and I, I just like to say that I, I really like your desktop environment and, uh, your installer is pretty nice too, but it seems a little bit technical. Like there's no options that allow the, uh, installer to automatically create a partition on the hard drive or like, like the option to install grub is unchecked by default. So like, do you have any plans to fix that in the future? Oh yeah. I mean that. That thing, you know, it's ugly. That's like an abortion of free will. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's getting replaced. I mean, that's got a bit of his, uh, history, that installer. So it's probably next to Ubiquiti. It's one of the oldest installers uh, in Linux land. Uh, it was originally the LMDE live installer, which, I mean, I used to be involved mm. in that once upon a time. Mm. You know, we all make mistakes. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> and then another, another thing that I noticed is when I was setting up the disks, like I, one thing is I had to open Gparted and do everything manually, which is, you know, something that most people aren't going to want to do. And then also like it didn't have options. It had an option to set up a root partition and a swap partition and that's it. No, no custom home partition or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not proud of it. Um, <laughs> it is I mean, replaced, it looks so nice. Visually, it looks nice, but just the the actual content of it is not very useful. Sounds yeah, like I mean, a good the installer sucks. Uh, do you need help? Is, I mean, what, what is the situation like there? Do you or do you kind of like doing it sort of uh, with a small team, or just yourself, or just a few helpers? How does that work for you? No, I mean, if people want to jump in, by all means, jump in. You know, like I mean, obviously, it started out for myself. I wanted, you know. I had certain needs that weren't being fulfilled. That doesn't that doesn't sound right. Um, I had certain needs for a distribution. We all do, Ike. We all do. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, but yeah, certain needs that won't be fulfilled in the distribution sense. Um, 
you know, so that started out for me, but then other, other people started getting interested, probably because I actually spammed the crap out of Google Plus with screenshots. Now I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, that um, does it sometimes. Might have something to do with yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're on GitHub. They can just jump in okay. and send us a pull request. And I will put a link to your GitHub uh, page in the show notes as well. So that's cool. Awesome. Uh, Download the ISO sorry. right now. One thing I will say is I know it's like a pig in VirtualBox. Um, mm. Everything you know, I, is. I, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I don't blame excuses. you for that. I, I could make excuses for it, but yeah, I just don't think you should run it in VirtualBox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, In my opinion, no one should ever run anything in VirtualBox, but right now I don't have a free machine that I can just load it on. So, so yeah. like VirtualBox is like, oh, it's at my fingertips, so yeah. I can go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does make for easy testing. Um, one, I will say one thing: it is very, 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 very fast on on like real hardware. So you'll find uh, I did most of my benchmarking on an Intel NUC because you know they're awesome, obviously. <laughs> that's yeah. That is a good. That's a good test rig. If it runs good on a NUC, it's probably going to run good on a lot of hardware. And the next not a bad. Yeah, I mean, this is a Haswell i5. I mean, yeah. to be fair, it's got 16 gigs yeah, of RAM. Yeah, you know, it yeah. is a little. Beef. It's not too. It's not a slouch. Yeah. Yeah, well, but uh, it boots in 2.134 seconds, uh, 2.314 seconds or something like that. It, it's really freaking fast, basically. Ike, thank you for coming on here and uh, chatting, us, yeah, chatting no to us about a distro that we haven't got a chance to look at a lot. Uh, and you're always yeah. welcome to join us. We have an open bumper room, so uh, join us for any show and uh, give us an update on what you're working on or chat on stuff. And I... Uh, you know, I, I also would love to see other distro makers that want to stop by and tell us about uh, what they love about the distri- distribution they're making. Because you know, like take Ike, like nobody knows it like he does, right? He's he's passionate about it because he's making it, he's working on it. It's cool to hear it from him. And so, if you're out there working on something, you're always welcome to join us. We just got to check your microphone, make sure you're going to pass the uh, the sniff test. You know, the yes. sniff test, Matt. That's what I call it. Sniff test, right? Yeah. yeah I don't know why voices. I call it that because it's a sound check. It's not nothing nothing about smell at all. It sounds cool. I do like that. I do like that. Hey, Matt, is there anywhere you want to send folks throughout the week? As always, i got stuff going on with articles and whatnot. always have new projects around the bend. Uh, MattHartley.com, uh, just as it sounds. Otherwise, if you forget the URL, you type in my name, and I'm number one at the top. That's magic. So, That's magic. Hey, join us on live Google's. on a Tuesday, too. You can chat with Matt. You can do that, too. You can chat with me. You can do it over at jblive.tv. You go to jupiterbroadcasting.com. Ish. That's calendar to get in your local time zone. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Unplugged program. We'll see you right back here next week. All over again, Twomp in what? the chat room. Yeah, he forget. Twomp in the chat room fell asleep, so he missed the whole show. We got to do it all over again. Jeez. You know, next time I'm just going to record the thing, and then that way you could just catch it on download. That would be way smarter. Why didn't I think of that one, Matt? Well, if we're sniffing voices, we might as well have something to wake people up, right? Maybe I was sniffing too much glue. Maybe that's uh, that could have been. Hey, it, you know, right? all right, let's go pick our title. JBTitles.com. Last chance to bang yeah. and suggest the title and uh, all of that goodness. Hey, thanks for showing up today, guys. Good show. Yeah. Appreciate having our bada here. And uh, thanks, Wimpy, for showing us all up with your audio quality. That was good, too. Yeah, that was awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's just amazing. <laughs> sure. uh, Evolve Your OS isn't bad. That's not a bad title. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. Uh, Linux Evolved OS. 
Uh, for Evolve OS, I think we should go for something subtle, you know, like just so people don't feel that it's been rammed down the throat. Like, <laughs> uh, world dominating OS should be in your front room. Go buy it now or we kill you. Right. Um, something something subtle. Something really, yeah. yeah, subtle. I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about Evolve OS? It's better than the others. <laughs> well, actually, we got into the whole uh, social media thing the other day because basically I'm an absolute attention whore. Um, well, you've got to be blunt, haven't you? Um, we put up a tweet um, just to make everyone feel comfortable. It was like, uh, what was this? One of the first tweets. Um, it was like, oh yeah, I haven't. Um, we haven't just suddenly decided to start competing with all the other desktops right now. Oh wait, yeah, we have. Um, <laughs> so they kind of know. Um, <laughs> Going, you're in. You're in it to win it. Mm-hmm. Evolve your OS yeah. is coming up at number one right now. That's not bad. The Kickstarter withdrawal method at number two. System D trolls Linux at number three. I think Evolve OS is a pretty good one. I think it's pretty good. That's yeah. where I go. Yeah. Hey, uh, anybody I have? Feel th- kind of bad because we co-opted the show, kind of. No, it's okay. It's it's it was actually kind of fit because that's it's how like it works. Yeah, it's like we wanted to get attention, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's, that's the whole point. Have, yeah. I, that's what I love about the show. Actually, is we have the mumble room, and it's like uh, totally unexpected. Like we had stuff to talk about, but this is just a uh, you know I love I love having a show where we can just go with it, and it works out better that way. I think. So, Definitely. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's, it's, it is, I think honestly, like if you had a lug, we get pretty close. Like I think if we had a lug and we all showed up every week and talked about stuff and every now and then somebody brought a friend to the meetup, this is what would happen. Very true. It's pretty cool. Aw, right. you're my friend. Yeah. You brought a friend to the, to the, to the lug meetup. It's pretty cool. Wait, well, hold on. No, no, no. That's, that's too official, isn't it? Can we go for acquaintance? Yeah, there you go. You can bring acquaintance. <laughs> I mean, this is too close and comfortable for Lover, me. whatever it is. I don't care. I Just keep- bring him. Well, We're part-time manslave. Um, yeah. <laughs> this isn't being recorded anymore, is no, it? No, of course not. Of course not.